today I've decided to do a fun episode going through the best and worst, mostly the worst, <laughs> contract signings uh, of Canucks history and some of the best trades and best signings of the Canucks ever had. So that is that. So the first block, let's go over the best. The best trades, the best deals in Canucks history. Um, I think, of course, we know the Marcus Naslin deal for Alex Stoyanov is probably the best trade in Canucks history. Um, it's for the most lopsided NHL history, for sure. Of course, the Canucks found you know, Marcus Naslin playing behind elite players like Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Ron Francis in Pittsburgh, and they viewed him expendable, which was a big mistake because when they got Marcus Naslin, he not only turned into a very useful everyday player, he turned into damn near the best goal scorer in the NHL, became a captain, the leading scorer of the Canucks of all time. Um, he scored 346 goals and 756 points with the Canucks, was first when he retired. Now he's third in points, second in goals behind Daniel Sedin. He was the face of the West Coast Express. He won the Lester B. Pearson Trophy back in 2003 as your league MVP, voted on by the players. He's my favorite player of all time. And Alex Stoyanov played, 40, played 45 games with Pittsburgh and had six points. So most lopsided trade in NHL history. Let's switch over to the worst trade in NHL history, which was, of course, the Canucks sending Cam Neely to the Boston Bruins. Now, of course, Cam Neely went on to have a Hall of Fame career scoring 590 points in just 525 games with the Boston Bruins. Of course, he was a big fan of big fan favorite in Boston because of his physical play um, and his scoring ability. He was the third overall selection. Um, yeah, sorry, the Canucks, you know, traded him for the third overall selection for Glenn Wesley, who played a lot of games um, in the NHL 1400, but only had 537 points. Um, they acquired Barry Peterson, who was a young, you know, a centerman. He had a couple productive seasons, uh, scoring 60 goals and 137 assists in four seasons. But um, this is the worst trade in Canucks history because Camden not only became a Hall of Famer, but he, of course, was from BC. A BC kid that Canucks could have traded for and acquired. Uh, and then he went on to do great things in Boston. And he also was the architecture of that team in 2011 that beat the Vancouver Canucks. Um, another kind of poor trade, looking back on it now, um, that I don't really blame Jim Benning for, um, was the Ryan Kessler deal. Um, look on it, uh, you know, Benning had behind his back because Kessler, as he's even admitted, said, I want to go to this one team. I have a no trade clause. I want to go to this every right to do. Um, and basically, puts hands behind his back. Um, the Canucks, of course, acquired um, Nick Benino and uh, plus uh, a 2014 first round pick with McCann and then a third. Uh, overall, you know, when it first happened, many people were like, oh, it's, you know, Jim Benning did good. 
but when you look back at it now, um, he was Benino was shipped off to Pittsburgh, where he played, you know, a part in the Stanley Cup winning team in Pittsburgh for Brandon Sutter, who um, has been hurt. He still is hurt, and he never was able to reach the full foundational player as Jim Benning called him. Jared McCann, of course, was traded to Florida for Eric Good Branson. Um, and of course, him alongside Lucas, him alongside Lucas Spiza were just guys that were okay. Bottom pairing defense, but never made that immediate impact. Certainly did not the impact that Kessler had with the Anaheim Ducks, you know, helping them make to the Western Conference final extended playoff runs for a few years. Um, you know, the Canucks used that third round pick that they acquired. Um, moving to the Rangers for Derek Dorsett. And, of course, Derek Dorsett played well in Spurs, but he was Derek Dorsett. He was never going to be um, that guy that was going to you know, cause a lot of impact. So that was a poor one. Now let's go to another positive one. Um, the Canucks traded picks and Brian McCabe to draft the Sedin. So the Canucks t- traded Brian McCabe, who was a Leaf for the longest time, but he also was a Canuck, you know, uh, and, you know, was acquired to help acquire the first and second overall pick for the 1999 NHL draft, which, of course, we know Brian Burke worked his wizardry and acquired Henrik and Daniel Sedin, who went down as the two greatest Canucks. Now, many people might say this should be the greatest trading Canucks history, but they had to give up quite a bit to get um, the Sedins. So I think the Marcus Naslin deal is still the best because it's the most lopsided trade in, in NHL history where uh, they just clearly 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 fleeced them um so brian burke you know wanted the sedin twins so he traded brian mccabe and a future first round pick the blackhawks for the fourth overall pick in the 1999 draft then flipped that pick to tampa along with two third round picks for the number one overall pick then he flipped it again to atlanta for the second overall pick and a conditional third round pick and then the Ashers, of course took patrick stefan who didn't work out and the canucks took the sedins um that will be probably the most famous deal in Canucks history. And Brian Burke um, you know, did that. Um and the we all know what happened. The Sedines became franchise cornerstones, became the greatest, you know, Canucks of all time. Um, and you know, that they're the clearly the best players of that 1999 draft. Um, this was set the Canucks up. This along with the Naslin trade set up the Canucks for the early 2000s and onward for the 2014, where they were consistently one of the best teams in the NHL for that 14, 15 year period where they were perennial playoff teams, they were perennial cup contenders because of those deals. Um, another deal that I, I kind of forgot about, but which was, you know, sneaky, sneaky good was um, the Canucks trade Trevor Linden to the Islanders for Todd Bertuzzi. Um, now a lot of people didn't like this trade when it first happened because Lyndon, of course, was Mr. Canuck, Captain Canuck. But when you look back on it, it actually helped the Canucks in a lot of ways because Lyndon got traded to the Islanders for Todd Bertuzzi, Brian McCabe, and a 1998 third round pick. So, um, this right here was one of the best trades in Canucks system because it not only gave, um, the Canucks the preeminent power forward of that early 2000s run where Todd Bertuzzi was the best power forward um, in the game of hockey alongside Marcus Naslin and Brendan Morrison. But it also, you know, 
gave them a young defenseman, Brian McCabe, which, as I just mentioned, Brian Burke was able to trade to get Henrik and Daniel Sedin. So when you think about it, it really helped them out. And that sixth-round pick in that trade turned out to be Yarko Rutu, who was, as we all know, a great bottom six player for the Canucks during that era. So although it was at the time when that trade probably happened, I wasn't, uh, when this trade happened in 98, I was two years old. So, um, I mean, I don't remember it, but I could imagine just the vitriol of people that saw Trevor Lynn and leave the city under that Mike Keenan era um, where he was the Canucks. Um, and he you know, was shipped off, but he brought it. They brought the pieces they brought and helped this team again. Although Brian McKinnon helped the Canucks on the ice, he helped the Canucks acquire Henrik and Daniel City. And we all know Todd Bertuzzi um, during that three, four year stretch was the best power forward in the game of hockey. So those are some trades that really popped out to me. Um, as some of the best and worst in Canucks history. Um, another kind of funny one that kind of, um, you know, of course, was the, not a couple of the other funny ones, excuse me, Bucks acquiring uh, Cliff Varning, Rob, uh, Jeff Ortonel, Robert Dirk, Sergio Amesso for, uh, which are, you know, three of those guys were in 24 run, Ronnie Ortonel and Amesso um, in the 94 team. Um, and then there's also, you know, some of the worst ones, you know, Michael Grabner and a first-round pick for Keith Ballard, which was a hefty price to pay for Keith Ballard, who never panned out, really. Um, and then, you know, there's like the Tiger Williams one, which was a very famous trade, Rick Bob, who went on to score a bunch of goals for uh, 141 goals, 347 assists. Um, so he popped off when he was Tiger, didn't really do much. Of course, he was a part uh you know he was a Canuck and was a part of that 82 cup run but he didn't put the points like Rick Five did so after this break we're going to go into some free agent signings and the best and worst of those stick around for that but first I want to talk to you guys built if you guys haven't tried yet built puffs are if you haven't tried built five built bar puffs driving yourself of one of the life's greatest joys but there's a new flavor Ready? This indulgent cookie dough. I love chocolate chip cookies. If you know me, they are the key to my heart. Covered in chocolate, and that's built has done it again. And let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Chewy texture. Of course, they're covered in 100% chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them run to built.com and to snag a box for you and the family it will be the perfect treat or you can find a good hiding spot to hold them for yourself like all builders the new cookie dough chunk puffs is covered in 100 real chocolate that means they're healthy and tasty chocolate covered cookie dough with a light fluffy texture so so good What's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puffs, whether you need a snack or for your workout, excuse me, or your late night treat or just to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, fat and sugar and grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com use promo code LOCKEDON15. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 
to get your 15% off. And welcome back to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. So, fun Friday episode. We're going over the best and worst trades. We just covered that. Now we're going to go over the best and worst signings. The first part of this is going to be the worst signings. I'm going to go through all the worst signings in Canucks history, my personal opinion. Um, and then after the final break, we'll go into the best ones and the, end the week off on a high note. You know what I'm saying? Um, so when I look at the Canucks and there's been a lot of bad, bad contracts, especially throughout the Jim Benning era. And there's going to be a lot of them on here. Um, you know, of course there was the Matthew Schneider, 2009. I totally forgot Matthew Schneider played for the Canucks. He signed a one-year $1.55 million deal um, and he averaged 21 minutes a game. Um, you know, he was you know, he was 40 years old at the time and quite frankly, he averaged 15 minutes at 17 games and then he just fell apart with a lane venue and never played again. They demoted him to the AHL um, and even when Kevin Bx was hurt in 2010, he didn't play. And then they dumped his cap to the uh, Coyotes. So that was a horrible signing. Didn't work out, but he was a 40-year-old. Uh, you know, you have the likes of Byron Ritchie, you know, signed in 2007 to uh, play, and he did absolutely nothing in Vancouver. Uh, Matt Bartkowski, uh, Brad Isbister. Yes, lovely Brad Isbister signing. Uh, he had 11 points in 55 games. So these are some notable bad signings. but. Let's get into the really, really ugly ones. Let's start off with Jay Beagle. Three years. Sorry, sorry, four years, three million per. He was coming off, playing with the Washington Capitals, but they gave him a four-year deal. This is what the this is the problem the Canucks are still dealing with. They gave these bottom six players four-year deals. $3 million, okay, for a fourth-line center, sure. And the lead fourth-line center, sure. Um, but a four-year deal. Jay Beagle did absolutely, while he was a valuable leader in the locker room, was not worth it at all. Not worth it whatsoever. Um, he was eventually dealt to all for Oliver Eklund Larson because his contract was, a, was an anchor for the Canucks. It was an absolute dud in Vancouver. Jay Beagle. Um, another Jim Benning deal, another three-year deal for a bottom six player was Sam Gagne, a three-year, $3.15 million deal. Um, he was coming off a 50-point season in Columbus where he was played on the fourth line but had a prominent role in their first unit power play. And Jim Benning eyes popped up and they thought they would put him in the top six. Um, he was not a top six player in Vancouver. And this was during a dark time in Vancouver. It's still kind of as dark, but the bottom of the league dark. Um, he scored 31 points um, and he wasn't very good. Um, you know, he eventually was dumped to the minors before being traded for Ryan Spooner, uh, who the club eventually bought out and the buyout, you know, didn't work. And, you know, uh, we look, I think the biggest one, the, the biggest ones, the, the most egregious ones of all time. 2016, free agent class of 2016, probably the most bad contracts ever uh, in NHL free agency came in 2016. Uh, the Canucks, of course, got the luxury of getting 
uh, Louis Erickson on a six-year by $6 million deal. Um, the 34-year-old was brought in to add top-line scoring. After scoring 30 goals in Boston, um, he was a top-line player. Uh, he had 38 goals. Or he never, sorry, he never even cracked 30 Vancouver. Uh, he never even cracked 30 points uh, in Vancouver. Um, he hamstrung the Canucks. Um, I'm surprised Arizona took that deal on when they gave the Canucks a bad deal like Larson. But uh, Louis Erickson, I have never seen a player come in with that big of a ticket and just fail to produce. And I liked Louis Erickson, the signing would happen, because I thought he's exactly the Canucks deal. He could score goals, could play a solid, you know, a two-way game. And I think once the media got a hold of him and just ripped him a new one, it was not pretty in Vancouver for Louis Erickson, and it was bad, bad, bad. Um, and he still is a meme in Canucks land today. So uh, Louis Erickson was not a good signing, but this one here takes the cake. And I brought it's number one for a reason because yesterday it was the 25 year anniversary of Mark Messier signing a five year, six million dollar deal. And this is 1997. Mark Messi getting a six-year, sorry, a five-million, a five-year, six-million-dollar-per-year deal, um, and Mark Messier, to many people, is the most hated Canuck player of all time. Not only was he the captain of the New York Rangers in 1994 when they beat the Vancouver Canucks to win the Stanley Cup, but he was the captain of the Canucks after they stripped it from Trevor Lynn during. Probably the worst era in Vancouver Canucks history. Um, of course, Messi wore number 11, which they took from the late Wayne Mackey, which was unofficially retired. Of course, he took the captaincy. Um, they missed the playoff three straight years. Pat Quinn was gone. Mike Keenan was hired as head coach and GM. Um, you know, you saw the whole 94 squad get wiped away. Um, and, you know, Messi on the ice was not that good anyway. He failed to reach point per game status any of his three years. Um, he didn't come close to reaching his monumental salary. Um, the Canucks ended up just buying him out. And Messier went back to New York, and it just was a big, fat dud. Um, Mark Messier probably will never come back to Vancouver because of you know just the suffering and the leading of the horrible, horrible era in Vancouver Canucks hockey during that time. Um, one positive though is I remember Marcus Nazan saying um, in an interview that playing under Mark Messi helped him a lot. You know, growing up and learning uh, how to play under Mark Messi, who was a great leader. Um, but uh, it's very, um, it's very, it was very, very um, bad time, and I think Mark Messier. Um, was the worst Canucks signing of all time because he didn't fulfill that contract. They had to buy him out. And the Canucks were absolutely god-awful. And he was public enemy number one and still is public enemy number one in Vancouver. So Mark Messier is the worst Canucks signing of all time. Now, coming up after this last break, we're going to go into the best signings, in my personal opinion, of Canucks history of all time. So stick around for that. And welcome back to Locked On Canucks, the show that keeps you locked in on all things Vancouver Canucks. So 
we went through the best and worst trades in Vancouver Canucks history. I just listed the worst signings in Canucks history. And today, not today, right now, I'm going to go over the best signings in Canucks history. Um, a lot of these are more recent because I feel like the value was very, you know, it was very evident. So, like, of course, I don't, we'll start off with, I uh, and these to to be fair, these are some of these are you know rookie like college free agent signings. So, of course, we have Chris Tanev who was signed as an undrafted free agent back in 2010, and we all know Chris Tanev. You know, was a, was an absolute warrior for the Canucks for years. He came in during that 2011 Stanley Cup run and played amazing, mature beyond his years, a shot blocker, a warrior. Um, he didn't put up the biggest offensive numbers during his time in Vancouver, but he was reliable, was steady, um, and was able to, um, you know, just be a stabilizing force on the Canucks back end for years. Um, Chris Tanev will go down as one of the best fan favorite defensemen of all time. Um, just a guy that worked his way up and was so mature beyond his years um, and just put ample service in for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, another guy about that was Alex Burroughs, who um, came from Vancouver and came to Vancouver in 2005, um, worked his way up from the ECHL to the AHL and, you know, toiled in the bottom six for a few years and then popped off when he started playing with Henrik and Danielson was, you know, the most exciting player was the young sung hero um, scored 30 goals a season um, was a clutch player in the playoffs. We all know Alex Burroughs is one of the best fan favorite players in Vancouver Canucks history. Um, he is in the ring of honor. He is a Canuck for sure. Um, and he's just a true story of just greatness uh, in Vancouver. It's a great hockey story. Um, the next one was Dan Hamuse who came of course, in July of 2010, he was one of the biggest ticket players um, of free agent during that year. He was coming from Nashville. Where he was playing behind Shea Weber and Ryan Suter, and he wanted a bigger role. And he had a lot of offers. And, you know, he had, you know, a lot of, um, but he chose to take less money and play in Vancouver. He signed a six-year, $27 million deal. And, again, you know, he played you know, 23, 24 minutes a game huge in that 2011 Stanley Cup Finals run. And I think, like I said before, if he never got hurt, um, they would have won the Cup. You know, you look at that, Edler, Erhoff, Hamus, Bieksa, um, that top four is very solid. Um, and he was a part of that. You know, he didn't score, but again, like Chris Tana, was just a top defenseman for the Canucks, just a stable, move the puck, quiet, solid guy. You know, represented Team Canada at the Olympics in 2014. Um, so Dan Hamish definitely was just a class Canuck uh, and a class player and a great free agent signing for uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Another one on the back end, another BC boy was Willie Mitchell. He signed a four-year, $14 million deal in, 20, in 2006. Um, and he, again, blocked shots, big shorthanded guy. Of course, his long stick battled hard. Um, and he was you know, just a Canuck that you know, loved being in part of Vancouver, was a great leader. Um, he got into concussion trouble, and then when, of course, the Canucks acquired Ballard and Hamish, they didn't need him anymore. Um, he eventually went on to win Stanley Cups with the LA, LA Kings in 2012 and 2014. Um, but I think Willie Mitchell, when he signed that deal, he was just a very solid member of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, another one was, and people might not remember this, but Anson Carter, uh, 2005, signed a one-year, $1 million deal. 
Uh, he scored 33 goals and 55 points in 81 games. His only season with Vancouver, playing with Henrik and Daniel Sedin. Um, and he popped off, and he was lowballed by the Canucks and didn't resign. And then he went on to play in Columbus, where he never really had the same success. So although Anson Carter didn't really work long-term during that one season, a one-year, $1 million contract for a guy who scored 33 goals, that's very good value to me. Um, and I think that um, is, a, is a good signing. So I don't like to beat up on Jim and Benning and stuff like that. Radom Verbata uh, signing was another big move. It did pay off. You know, his first season, he had 69 games and 31 goals. Like, that's pretty good. Um, the next year, he did have a big drop-off rate, 27 points. But during that year, you know, he had that first 0-14-15 year. He was playing with the Sedins and had a very good year. The team scored when 105, had 105, over 100 points, excuse me, I don't know if it was 105, but had over 100 points. Got knocked out in the first round. But um, it was a very good. Um, and then, you know, what a... I think we look at the re-signings that he did, the Horvat and Demko re-signings were very good for Jim Benning. So that's kind of a little fun episode I did where, you know, go over the best and worst trades, best and worst signings. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I did in researching it and remembering all these different trades and different signings that Canucks did in the past. So um, that is that. Of course, it is a long weekend. I hope you guys all have a nice long weekend upcoming. Uh, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Canucks your first listen of the day. Next, Lockdown NHL. Our experts give you a 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Locked on NHL gives you your daily 30-minute podcast. Stay safe, guys. Enjoy your long weekend. And I will talk to you on Tuesday.